I know that this time of year is, it's crazy. It's, it's a little nutty. You're trying to get everything ready for Christmas, and hopefully you are almost there or near the finish line, and hopefully um, your Christmas Eve this year will not be like the 1996 Christmas family comedy, Jingle All the Way. You remember that? Um, the stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad, these rival fathers on Christmas Eve, uh, trying to desperately find uh, their, their son, a Turbo Man action figure at a last-minute shopping spree on Christmas Eve. Hopefully that is not you. Hopefully you're prepared. But if not, we'll be praying for you, okay? We'll be praying for you as you get ready. Hey, I don't know if you are aware of this, but later this evening, later tonight, will be what's called the Winter solstice. The winter solstice. A solstice is when the sun reaches its most northern or southern excursion of the year. And the winter solstice means that the sun has reached its southernmost point of the entire year. The winter solstice means that the day is the shortest day of the year. It's the darkest day of the year and the longest night of the year. You know, these days that we are living in are dark. When we look around the world and we look around um, our society, when we look around the culture and we see what's happening, I think that we would all agree that things are dark. And what I know about you and what I know about me is that even we don't even have to look very far, even with our own lives and the things around us, uh, things can get dark as well. I'm looking across a audience of people, members, guests who I know, even from my own personal conversations with you, that even in recent days, you've experienced a significant loss. And the darkness affects us on a significant level. And what we all need in the dark is light. Can I get an amen in the house? What we need in the midst of darkness is Light. I've titled the message for today this, Light for Dark Days. Light for Dark Days. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have us look at a scripture, John 8, and then we're going to walk out of that, and I'm going to share with you several ways that Jesus is light for dark days, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end uh, to make a decision and to either return or to give your life to Christ and find light in your own life. You know, people say the uh, darndest things. Um, you, you, you can never predict what someone's going to say, and you, you, never, you never know when you're going to be in a situation where somebody might say something a little bit crazy or odd. I, I remember a few years ago, um, I was walking into my home after a long day of work, and I've got three girls, and at the time, my oldest uh, girl, Nora, I think she was about four or five, I can't remember exactly, and I walk through the door, and literally, Nora looks up at me and she says, Daddy, you're not a very tall man. At that point in my life, I think I was dealing with a significant level of insecurity, and her words were not um, very encouraging to me at the time. Uh, people can say um, odd things, and, and you don't know where it comes from, and then sometimes um, people are truly delusional. 
All right, it's one thing to like say something like if you're a normal person, but, but then sometimes people say something because they are truly delusional. Perhaps there is a psychological, psychological condition that's going on, or perhaps there is a substance involved. I know that's never been you, but perhaps, you know, that has happened to someone. Have you ever um, uh, seen someone after a, a dental operation, after they have received the anesthesia, and as they're coming back, they say the craziest things. Like you, you'll see, you see someone after a dental operation, and they'll say something like, I'm a bird. You, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just the craziest things that, that people say. And here's what you have to recognize. When we look at the life and the teachings of Jesus, you have to recognize that he said some incredibly bold and bizarre things, specifically about himself. This is what he says in John 8, verse 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, listen to this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, can you imagine if anybody else said that? You know, like, all right, so here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a real life example so that we can, we can feel this out. Johnny, would you join me on stage for just a second? Would you put your hands together for Johnny Arntzen? Now, Johnny's a friend. He's a member. Um, he's, he's incredibly confident, you know, and so I could imagine, and he's slightly taller than me, okay? It's like, I'm like 6'3", so he's probably like 6'8", you know, so, um, but I, I could imagine Johnny saying something that might, you know, be fairly confident, but could you imagine Johnny looking me in the eyes and saying, Ethan, I am the light of the world. We would be like, Let's hold on just a second. Like, like I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, to re-say that. And then imagine if he doubled down and he said, no, I'm serious. I am the light of the world. We'd be like, okay, we're, we, we're going to call somebody and we're going to try to get you some help and some, do you, you see how like kind of bizarre that would be, right? Would you put your hands together for Johnny? Thank you. Thank you, Johnny, for, for, for doing that. Um, I mean, you just, you just have to like, like um, imagine yourself being there and Jesus looking them in the eye without any reservation, without any doubt in his mind saying, I am the light of the world. It's absolutely bizarre. And what's interesting about Jesus' teachings and his sayings was that Jesus was trying to communicate about himself in such a way that he didn't give us any other alternatives of understanding who he thought he was. So for instance, a famous C.S. Lewis quote, he says this, C.S. Lewis, Lewis was the former atheist who converted to Christianity, a, a brilliant scholar, and he would say this, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. See, Jesus knew that he was the light. And that was the entire point for him coming to the earth in the first place. And even this would be prophesied and forecasted throughout the entire Old Testament, hundreds of years in advance. The prophet Isaiah would say in Isaiah 9, 2, 
the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Somebody say light. They'll see a great light for those who live in a land of deep darkness. A light will shine for a child is born to us. A son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what we know about light is that light is a, um, it's an incredible reality. Um, imagine a world where there isn't any light. Um, light is, is an amazing reality. It's an amazing phenomenon. What light has the ability to do is, is absolutely amazing. In fact, in Genesis 1, at the very beginning of the story, when God created the first things, you know what he created? He created light. And, and we know a lot of things about light, and there's a lot of things we don't know about light, but apparently there are waves that are traveling through the air right now that are light waves, and they're moving at the speed of light. And light is an incredibly powerful reality. And so for Jesus to use this word for himself communicates some things for us. Here's the first thing it communicates. What, here's what we know about light. Light is a growing agent. What, what I mean by that is that things grow because they have light. Um, they grow because they, they have light. They, they receive something from the sun, from the light, that actually gives them the ability to grow. We, we would call this the scientific word. You remember this in school? Photosynthesis. You remember that as a big word? Photosynthesis. That, that means that basically light actually has growing properties in it, that when it touches something that's living, it actually allows it. It's a catalyst for the thing to be able to grow. How many of you have ever done this in your kitchen or your, your, you know, out in your greenhouse or out in your shed or in your garage somewhere? You tried to grow something in a dark place, and what did you have to do? You had to buy a grow light. You had to buy a grow light, a, a certain kind of bulb that would give light to the plant, which would allow it to be able to grow. Here's what John would say in John 1, verse 5 through 9. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We would also see this in John 12, verse 35. Jesus would say this. Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. So here's what I want you to understand. This is why Jesus is calling himself the light, saying, I am the light of the world. Here's, here's what this means. Here's, here's the first thing it means. Jesus' light, his light, can give you spiritual life. That's what Jesus' light can do. Jesus' light who he is, what he's done, what he's accomplished. He has the actual ability. Think about, don't, think about this with me. He can give you spiritual life. And here's what we know from the scriptures is that the scriptures tell us that, that we in our regular human normal states, that we are spiritually dead. The, the term that the scriptures uses over and over again isn't like that you're, you know, got 
some kind of life in you spiritually, and we just need to amp it up a little bit if we could get you to figure out your, your mess, you know, and get your act together. No, the, the concept that the scriptures use is that you and I, before Christ, without Jesus as our light, we are spiritually dead. It, it, it means that we actually don't have anything in us that has the spiritual aptitude or possibility to create spiritual life. So, so for instance, you know, we just sang the song about the great chasm between us and God. And sometimes when we think about the gospel, the, the gospel is kind of communicated like you're separated from God, which, which is true. And, and you're not close to God. And there's a, there's a great chasm. It would kind of be like standing at the Grand Canyon, if you've ever seen the Grand Canyon. And standing at the Grand Canyon and, and, and recognizing that if you ran as, as, as hard and as fast as you could and you jumped with all of your strength, with everything in you, it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be even close enough. But here's actually what the scripture says. Because of your spiritual deadness, you don't even have the ability to jump. It, it, it's not that, well, well, you're just not quite a good enough person. And if you would just like, you know, get it together and you could, you know, try to get to God. No, the, the, the point of the scriptures is that, is that you don't have any spiritual life in you. You can't even take a step. And so here's what this means is that w w without Jesus, there actually isn't any spiritual life inside you. And that Jesus light, it's only his light that can actually give us a spiritual life. Can I ask you, personal question tonight. Do you have the kind of inner spiritual life and light that Jesus speaks of? If we had to, if we just paused for a moment and just did a little soul searching right now. And we looked inside. What would you kind of describe the inside of your life like? Do, do you have the, the kind of inner spiritual life and light that Jesus speaks of. And so first of all, we, we know that Jesus can give you spiritual life. Here's the second thing that we, that we know about um, light is this. Light, light is an awareness agent. What I mean by that is that light illuminates things, um, obviously, and, and that with, without life, we would not be able to, without light, rather, we would not be able to see properly. It, it, it illuminates things. It, it makes it easier to see. It makes it easier um, to navigate. This, this is why if you've, if you've ever um, had an operation before and, and from a surgeon, what do surgeons always have in their operating room? Lots of lights, lots of lights, really bright lights, and they turn them all the way up as bright as they can because the light gives them the ability to see and to conduct the operation in the way that they need to. Without light, um, w without light, we don't have awareness. We, we can't see. We, we don't know where um, to go. It reminds me of a story of a few years ago my, my dad shared with me. Um, I, I grew up in, in, in South Carolina, and my family, except for me, they're all still in South Carolina, okay? And I've got great affection for South Carolina, you know, uh, but I love being in North Carolina now. I'm actually getting ready to go back to, um, to South Carolina, see some of my family at Christmas. Um, but I'll just suffice it to say that um, people in South Carolina, they do things kind of in a South Carolina kind of way. So for instance, um, my, my dad is, um, my, my dad loves to fish and, and he's got, he's got a great friend named Ray Hoban and, and, and they love to fish and, and they would do these fishing trips and they, they would go back and forth to the coast. At the time, my dad lived in Florence, South Carolina, you know, about an hour and a half away and no lie, they would be, they would go in the middle of the night, they would fish during the day that they would go flounder gigging and stuff at the night and then would drive all the way back 
them in the middle of the night. And literally, they're they're in like Georgetown, South Carolina, about an hour and a half away from home. And um, as as they're as they're leaving um, the coast and they're heading back home, the their headlights in the truck literally go out. So the headlights they won't work. They can't figure it. It must be a fuse or something. They can't get the headlights to go to come on. And they're so like they're, so they say like, how um, are we going to get home? And so in a South Carolina a kind of way, they get the Q beams from the boat and they get the batteries from the boat. They put them in the floorboard and literally for an hour and a half they hold a Q beam, a spotlight out of the window onto the highway to come all the way back back home. My dad tells my dad tells the story. Um, uh, my dad says, literally, we, we came all the way to Florence. And he says, I was a mile away from the house and a cop pulled me over when I was a mile away from being um, home. And he said, fortunately, the cop was like, uh, what in the world is happening? <laughs> I mean, what is going on right here? And they said, well, really, we're just trying to make it home. And I'm only a mile away from home. And so they're able to go home. But, but here's, what, here's what we know about light is that without light, you don't know where you're going. Without light, you just can't see. And so light is an awareness agent. The scriptures would say in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Uh, the prophet Isaiah would say in Isaiah 42, I love how Eugene Peterson in the message um, translates that He says this in Isaiah 42, I'll take the hand of those who don't know the way, who can't see where they're going, I'll be a personal guide to them, directing them through unknown country. I'll be right there to show them what roads to take. Make sure they don't fall into the ditch, sticking with them, not leaving them for a minute. Jesus would say this in John 12, 46. He would say, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. And so here's what we know about Jesus and his light is this. Jesus' light can give you directions for life. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of directions for my life. I, I need a lot of uh, directions. I need a lot of instructions. Um, I need a lot of help. I love to read. I, lo I love to be, I love to gain information because I like to learn because I want to know how to do things. I want to know how things work. I, I want to figure out marriage. I, I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a great marriage. I want to figure out finances. I want my finances to, to be right. I, I want my relationships so, and I want my work. I want my physical body. I want my mental, mental fortitude. I want these things to, to be right. I need directions for my life. And I know that you, um, need the same, don't you? Your relationships, your family, I mean, finances, physical health, work, purpose, meaning. What's true about you and me is we both need directions for our life. We need to know which way to go. And we need, we need someone to help us understand how to do life. Can I ask you a personal question? today. Do you like the current direction of your life? Do you like the results you're getting in life? You were made to know God and to live according to his ways. And the beauty of what Jesus does is he, with his light, he shows us the way. He gives us directions for life and we get to live and find out what life is supposed to be like living according to the ways of Jesus, which is why we follow him and we trust him with our life. 
And here's what we know as well about light is number three. Here's, here's the last thing is this, is that um, light is a purifying agent. It's a pure, it's not only a growing agent, it's not only awareness agent, but it has this unbelievable power to actually purify. A light can kill bacteria. A light, we know, is a disinfectant. Sunlight is even used to clean many things. It's, it's used to clean water. There's even cities now who are using sunlight to help eliminate the bacteria that's in the water for the drinking water. We would even know if you traveled around the world in, in third world countries, they, they'll take things, clothing, um, um, uh, bedding, and they'll hang it out in the sunlight so that the sunlight can kill bacteria or anything that is on the, uh, on, on the, the clothes or the garments. It's a purifying agent, and light has the ability in its very essence to be purifying and cleansing. We would see this in 1 John 1 verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And John 8, 24 would say this, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, Jesus says you will die in your sins. And Jesus not only makes claims about his own life, Jesus makes claims about your life as well. Jesus says, I am the light, but if you don't trust in me, then uh, you will die in your sins. Sins. And here, here's the last thing we know about Jesus' light. Jesus' light can give you cleansing of your sin. Jesus' light can give you cleansing of your sin. And so I came here to tell somebody today, your, your, your greatest enemy um, today is not your boss. Your, your greatest enemy today is, is, is not a politician. Your greatest enemy today is not your ex. It's not the person who hurt you. It's not the person who abused you. It's none of those things. Your greatest enemy is death. It's death. And I just kind of want to ask you today, do you have a strategy for what to do about death? And the other things can be fought against. The other things we can perhaps win over the things that are happening to us in our lives and the things and so on and so forth. But the thing that we we can't overcome is death. Last I checked, it doesn't matter how much money you have, everyone dies. Last time I checked, it doesn't matter how smart you are, everyone dies. Last time I checked, it doesn't matter how um, strong of a church attender you are, everyone dies. Your, your greatest enemy is, is actually death, and so do you have a strategy for what to do about death? My story, and I don't share my story often about how I met Jesus, but my, my story kind of goes like this. I grew up in a pretty religious home. I grew up going to church, and church was kind of a normal thing for, for us. And I, I grew up learning, hearing about God, and hearing about Jesus and these things and so on and, and, and so forth. But literally as, as, as a child and then into my teenage years, I, I remember um, nights where I would have so much guilt and fear of, of dying. I, I remember night after night after night by par being paralyzed by this idea of 
of dying because because even as a teenager, I didn't necessarily have the ability to to put words to it, and, and I didn't philosophically understand exactly what was going on. But even as a teenager, I understood that there's something that was off in me. That not only was there something off around me, but there was something inside me that was terribly off as well. And that if I died in my current state, then I don't know exactly what would happen to me. I remember being a 16-year-old teenager being in kind of a church setting like this. I remember one day, I remember one day the, the pastor, the preacher was talking about Jesus. I'd probably heard it a thousand times. But that day he said something about Jesus being your savior. And for the first time, I recognized that I could not be my own savior, but that I needed a savior. Do you know tonight that you need a savior? Do you know that there's not enough inside you? That there's not enough good things that you can do. There's, there, there's none of that that can give you the ability to save yourself. You need a light outside of yourself to do something inside yourself that you can't do on your own. And this is the story of Jesus. I'd like to end with this. In the Gospels, we see the account of Jesus and his birth. And as we celebrate Christmas, we're reminded of the miraculous story of Jesus, God, the Son, coming to the earth. Luke 2 would say this. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snug, snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angels assured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Jesus came for you. If you were the only one who was living, he still would have come for you. And as we celebrate Christmas, the great incarnation, God becoming man, taking on human form. The reason that he came was this, is he had to go to a cross. He had to go to a cross and the cradle is only important because the cradle leads to the cross. And the cross is where Jesus went and gave his life for you and died for your sins in your place. But there's not only a cradle and there's not only a cross, there's a crown. And Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated our greatest enemy of death and Satan and sin and hell. And trusting in him today gives you the ability to have light inside yourself as well. Let's pray. God, today, as we think about Christmas and the great story of Jesus coming for us, God, we just thank you for not allowing us to be on our own, but coming and saving us and giving yourself 
for us. And Father, t- today we just, we ask that you would help us to understand and to know and to believe and to trust that Jesus is our light and that in him we can, we can find spiritual life and in him we can, we can find illumination and we, we, can, we can have direction and then in, in him we can have purification and cleansing knowing that the worst of all our sin was, was taken on him. So Jesus, Father, we, we, we thank you for what you've done. We pray in Christ's name.